0: Well, if you're new here, maybe you're visiting for the first time, or you've been here a couple of times, we're working our way through the gospel according to John. Uh, John was the disciple who Jesus loved, and so it is appropriate that we study this passage today about the love of Jesus. John 13, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 17. This is God's word. rose from supper he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel tied it around his waist when he poured water then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him he came to Simon Peter who said to him lord do you wash my feet jesus answered him what i am doing now you do not understand but afterward you will understand That you also should do as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. This is God's word. Let's go to him now in prayer. O Lord, our God, we ask simply that you would speak to us in your word. For we, your servants, listen. I pray, Lord God, that you would demonstrate your love for us by calling us to greater levels of faith and commitment. We pray, Lord God, that we would love and serve one another in the name of Jesus, and that in so doing, the whole world may know that we are your disciples and that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, our Savior. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I love talking about love Kate and I have been married now for 20 years we celebrated our 20th year anniversary this summer I love her now more than ever and amazingly she still loves me I love our kids Lily and Jack I love my parents I love Kate's parents I love our church It is impossible for me to convey how deeply I love you, Pinewoods Church, and how much I appreciate the way that you have shown your love to me. I love my friends. I love my dogs. Sometimes I love my dogs more than I love my friends. (laughs) I love Christmas. I love Easter. Those are my two favorite holidays. I love the Green Bay Packers. They are my favorite football team. I love books, and I love movies, and occasionally, I love conspiracy theories. Do you know the difference between a proven fact and a conspiracy theory? Turns out, about six months. (laughs) But I digress. I love singing, especially in church, but occasionally, I love singing in my car. I shouldn't love sin, but occasionally I do, which is why I love Jesus. I love his grace. I love his mercy. I love the cross. I love God because he first loved me. Do you know who else loved talking about love? The Apostle John. The word love is used 57 times in John's gospel. In his first epistle, 1 John, which is a much shorter book, the word love is used 46 times. Here are some of my favorite examples. John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Arguably, the most famous verse in the whole Bible is about God's love. John 11, verse 5 Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. John 15, verse 9 As the Father has loved me, so also I have loved you. Abide in my love. How different would our lives be if we learned to abide in God's love? How different would our world be if we were able to abide in his love? John 15 verse 12, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So simple, so profound, and yet so very difficult to do. 1 John 4, verse 8, Anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. It's worth noting that John was known as the disciple who Jesus loved. That's not to say that Jesus didn't love all the disciples. He did. But it is to say that John was Jesus' best friend. Jesus, the son of David, loved his best friend John as much as King David loved his best friend Jonathan. Well, what is love? Considering all that the Bible has to say about love, I think that we can say love is both an attitude and an action that changes both the lover and the beloved. Love in our hearts and with our hands changes other people. But it also profoundly changes us. As Christians, we're called to love God and love our neighbors. We're even called to love our enemies. We're called to love God's word, the Bible. We're called to love God's bride, the church. Love is our greatest apologetic, our greatest means of evangelism. John 13 verse 35, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The Bible says love is stronger than death. That Song of Solomon 8 verse 6. The Bible says the love of Christ surpasses knowledge. That's Ephesians 3 verse 19. In John 13, we see that Jesus loved us with a love that cost him everything, even his very life. Verse 1, now before the feast of the Passover... When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, he's speaking about his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension, and everything in between, all of the torture, all of the abandonment, all of the pain. John says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Why did Jesus endure what he endured? because of love so what does love look like is it about getting the right person the right present on valentine's day or your anniversary or birthdays does it look like romance or friendship or service or sacrifice does it look like living for someone does it look like dying for someone In our world where love has become so cheap and consequently feelings of worthlessness so common, Jesus, our exalted king, comes to us with a towel wrapped around his waist and a basin of water in his hands saying, this is what love is. This is the love that you have been looking for your entire life. Now, if that's true, and it is, how do we love one another? How did and how does Jesus love the church? Well, if you're taking notes this morning, here's our outline. I want to highlight four things that this passage shows us about the love of Jesus— Four ways that Jesus loves us and, consequently, four ways that we are called to love one another as God's people. The first thing we'll see as we walk through this passage, the first thing is the love of Jesus is steadfast love. That's verse 1. Steadfast love. Second, the love of Jesus is serving love. We'll see that in verses 2 through 5. The third thing is the love of Jesus is saving love. That's verses 6 through 11. And finally, the love of Jesus is spreading love. That's verses 12 through 17. So steadfast love, serving love, saving love, and spreading love. Are you ready? Are you ready to feel the love? (laughs) Let's get started. First big idea, the love of Jesus is steadfast love. Verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The phrase that's most striking to me in in this verse is that little phrase, He loved them to the end. Is there a more perfect way to describe God's love? When it comes to the way that God loves us, there are no half measures. There is no halfway love. God's love is never half-hearted or incomplete. Some translations read, he showed them the full extent of his love. There's a Hebrew word for this kind of love, and that Hebrew word is chesed, steadfast love. We see it most clearly in the book of Ruth. When Ruth refused to abandon her her mother-in-law, Naomi, on the road back to Bethlehem with her two daughters-in-law, Naomi said, return to Moab, return to your country, return to your nation and your gods. Go and find husbands. I'll be fine without you. Start a new life without me. One of those daughters-in-law, Orpah, heard what Naomi had said and returned back home to Moab. But Ruth refused to leave. Ruth refused to give up on Naomi, Ruth 1, verse 16. But Ruth said, "Do do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death separates me from you. Jesus, having loved his own who were in the world, Loved them to the end. As they celebrated the Passover together in the shadow of the cross, Jesus wanted his disciples to know, and 2,000 years later, he wants us to know I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. So if that's how God loves us in Christ and through Christ, how then do we love one another? How do we love one another in a way that reflects the steadfast love of Jesus? Well, loving others with steadfast love means never giving up on people. It means loving people even when it's hard. It means loving people even when they frustrate us. It means loving people even when we disagree. It means loving people even when they disappoint us, even when they demand their inheritance and run off to the far country. Steadfast love scans the horizon waiting for our prodigal children to come back home. Steadfast love says, I forgive you. I forgive you today and I will forgive you tomorrow and I will forgive you every day and every tomorrow until Jesus comes again or until God calls me home to glory. Steadfast love means Jesus washing Peter's feet knowing that Peter would deny him. Steadfast love means Jesus washing the feet of Judas Iscariot knowing that Judas would betray him. Steadfast love means reaching out to people who never reach back. It means finishing what you start. It means keeping your promises. It means fulfilling your commitments. Sally Lloyd-Jones paints this beautiful word picture in her book, The Jesus Storybook Bible. She says this, but all the stars and the mountains and the oceans and galaxies and everything were nothing compared to how much God loved his children. He would move heaven and earth to be near them always. Whatever happened, whatever it cost him, he would always always love them i once heard it said that when love doesn't cost something it isn't worth anything i think that's true if love is just a warm feeling that we have in our hearts it's not really love If God falls into and out of love with us, depending on our performance, depending on the steadfastness of our love for him, then it's not really love. True love is love in action. True love is sacrificial. True love is steadfast. Jesus loved them and loved all of his disciples to the very end. Because of Jesus, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Steadfast love. Second big idea, the love of God is not only steadfast love, the love of God is serving love. Now we know from the other gospel accounts that the dinner conversation that night before the Passover turned to the discussion of who would be greatest in the kingdom of God. The disciples were arguing with one another that when Jesus comes and is seated on the throne and all the nations gather around him, who is going to be at his right hand? Who is going to receive the place of honor? Will it be Peter or James or John or one of the other disciples? Someone else? One of the commentators that I read this week called it the stupidest argument in the history of the world. Which is saying something. Perhaps it's an overstatement given that uh, talk radio exists, but it's definitely in the top ten. It's kind of like twelve turtles arguing about who's the fastest. Technically, there's probably a correct answer, but does it really matter? The fastest turtle is still slow compared to the hare, and the greatest of the disciples is still very not great compared to Jesus. So the disciples are going back and forth. They're having this ridiculous argument. And then, in the middle of it all, a hush falls over the room. As Jesus, their rabbi, their king, the one who is truly the greatest in the kingdom of God, wraps a towel around his waist, bends down, and washes the disciples feet an act that is so menial so lowly so degrading so disgusting that even hebrew slaves were not required to do this it was beneath even the slaves among the people of israel verse 4 jesus laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel tied it around his waist Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. The king became a servant. The king became lower than a servant. The king became a slave. That's how much Jesus loves us. Jesus takes the lowest place, he does the lowest job, he does it freely, he does it willingly, he does it without even being asked. What's interesting here is that instead of dismissing the idea of greatness, saying as Christians we should not pursue greatness. That's not what Jesus says. Instead, he says, allow me to redefine greatness. You want greatness? Good. You want to change the world? Good. You want to leave a legacy? You want to live a life that matters? Let me show you how. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? Who is the one who changes the world? The world says it is the one who is served. The rich, the powerful, the famous, the benefactors, the kings Bezos and Zuckerberg and Bill Gates and Elon Musk, Tom Brady and Michael Jordan and Nick Saban. The rich, the powerful the successful, the man in the $1,000 suit, the woman with the $1,000 handbag, Jesus says, it is the one who serves. It's the meek. It's the lowly. It's the humble. It's not the guy driving the $100,000 car. It is the man parking the $100,000 car. It's not the woman carrying the, the Louis Vuitton handbag. It's the woman sewing the Louis Vuitton handbag. Biblically speaking, that's greatness. I know it sounds illogical, counterintuitive, completely against all of our assumptions, but if you want to know what God is like, don't look at the man who's boarding Air Force One. Look at the man who's holding his umbrella Jesus, the divine Son of God, is the one who serves. Now, if that's true, and it is, how do we love other people the way Jesus has loved us? What does that look like for us? Well, maybe it involves finding the least uh, glamorous job in your house, <laughs> the job that nobody wants to do, whether it's cleaning the bathroom or washing the dishes or feeding the dogs or, or taking care of something And then doing that job without being asked, without complaining, without grumbling, without sort of shifting the blame to other people. Maybe it looks like in the church, doing the job that very few people want to do, something that no one else sees the kind of job where you're not up front, the kind of job where you're not receiving any credit, the type of job where you have to be here at 8 a.m. on a Sunday morning and instead of enjoying your coffee and sleeping in a little bit, you're running cables or, or programming computers or unlocking doors or making coffee, the kind of things that nobody but God will ever see. Whatever it looks like for you, the question is, Are you willing to humble yourself in order to serve other people like Jesus did? Are you willing to love like Jesus loved with a towel wrapped around your waist and a basin of water in your hands? That's servant love. And servant love changes the world because servant love, the love of Jesus, sets us free. Third big idea. The love of Jesus is saving love. Verse 6. Jesus came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. See, in verse 8, Peter resisted. He didn't want Jesus to wash his feet. It's too low. Jesus, you're too great. How can you, my, my, my Lord, my teacher, my friend, stoop down to wash my feet? Jesus insists, telling him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. What does he mean? He means that this foot washing is about so much more than foot washing. This foot washing is symbolic. It's a picture of something much deeper and much more profound. It's a symbol of our need for spiritual cleansing. It's a picture of the gospel. Unless Jesus washes us in his blood, cleansing our sins, we have no place In the kingdom of God. See, that's why Peter said, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus told him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean before adding, And you are clean, but not every one of you. Do you see what's happening here? Peter is saying, Hey, great. If it's about washing, then don't stop at my feet. Give me a bath wash all of me and Jesus says you don't need a bath but you do need cleansing there's a difference you can be physically clean and spiritually unclean you can be religiously clean you can have you can check all the boxes you can come to church on Sunday morning you can look right you can speak right you can do all the motions and yet remain spiritually unclean. Now, this is the one way that we see in our passage that we cannot love the way that Jesus loved. We can be steadfast. We can serve people. We can love hard people like Peter. He was a hard guy to love. We can even love our enemies like Judas Iscariot who had betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, But we cannot wash away people's sins. That's something that only Jesus can do. But here's what we can do. We can lead people to Jesus. We can lead people to the living water. We can show people the beauty of God's grace. We can give people hope for reconciliation and restoration and resurrection by leading them to Jesus, our servant king remember that these disciples were about to celebrate the last supper it was the last supper with jesus but in many ways it was the first supper it was the first supper of the new covenant it was a preview of what john will later call the wedding supper of the lamb because jesus died on the cross and rose again we know that everyone who believes in him will be cleansed. And as such, everyone who believes in him will be invited as guests to the greatest wedding reception in the history of wedding receptions. In the parable of the ten bridesmaids, Jesus said, those who do believe will be welcomed with open arms to the feast. That that invitation goes out still today. You are invited to the feast. You are invited to eat with the king. And yet Jesus also warns us, sadly, that those who do not believe will find themselves on the outside looking in forever. And so the question is for us who do believe, Do you love someone enough to invite them to the feast? Do you love someone enough to show them the beauty of Jesus, our humble king, our servant king, who shed his blood on the cross so that we might be exalted as sons and daughters, princes and princesses in the kingdom of God? This is the greatest gift that we can ever give, and it is the greatest gift that we can ever receive. The love of Jesus is cleansing love. The love of Jesus is saving love. He has washed us in his blood. He brings us home to God. Fourth big idea, last one, we'll close with this. The love of Jesus is spreading love In these closing verses, Jesus encourages us to spread God's love. Following his example, we are to love others sacrificially and steadfastly. We're to serve humble people in humbling ways. Christianity spreads through the power of love. People experience Jesus when we, instead of demanding our rights relinquish our rights. Christianity spreads when we give generously. It spreads when we offer food to the hungry and drink to the thirsty and justice to the oppressed. Having been loved with a love that cost Jesus everything, we are called to spread the love of God by loving others with a love that costs us something whether it be our time or our money or our convenience, we're to love others the way that Jesus has loved us. That's how we spread God's love to a world that so desperately needs the love of God. This is the power of the gospel. This is the power of God's love. This kind of love, not hate, Not aggression, not brute force or power, but this kind of sacrificial, steadfast love will change the world. Jesus, having loved those who were his own in the world, loved them and loves us to the end. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great love with which you have loved us in Christ. We thank you that it is high and broad, that it is deep and long, that it fills us with the fullness of God. We pray, Lord Jesus, that we would experience your love more profoundly this week and that we might seek out ways that we might reach out to others loving them steadfastly and sacrificially oh lord god thank you for saving us we ask that you would transform our hearts by the power of your gospel that we might feel and experience your love in in deeper and more more profound ways for we pray this in jesus name amen